Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show on this sort of misty gray day here in Florida where it actually hit 36 degrees Fahrenheit overnight, which is really unusual for central Florida to have those temperatures. But I live in an area that's known for Indian River grapefruit, and they do like that cold snap a little bit, although this is a little bit cold, a little bit longer than even our grapefruit and orange juice like. But it for those of us who come from New York and the, the northern climes, as they say here, it's kind of refreshing and nice. I enjoy it. But what I don't enjoy is the fact that I don't have those clothes anymore. <laughs> so it makes it a little bit harder when you're going out and about. And, you know, I the reason I said Fahrenheit today when I did the temperature, knowing that we're, this show is in the top 3% globally um, of all podcasts, is because my guest today is from the UK. And they don't use Fahrenheit, they use Celsius and I just thought those of you who are more than likely listening, and my guest has paired her social channels to this episode as well, so I know that there are people listening who are in the UK right now. And I want to give a shout out, by the way, as well, to a mutual friend of my guest and I, Teresa Waggett, who was kind enough to introduce me to my guest. Today, I've got somebody that I recently got to know through Teresa and I love, love, love what she was doing and is doing. And I just think it's amazing. She was inspired by her granny jeans, adventurous spirit, her experience of growing older. And my guest is not anyone near the age of retiring, but she created a platform called the Joy Club in the UK, probably going to expand it globally, to help people who are semi-retired or retiring have joy and experience new adventures. And I'm going to bring her right on camera now. I want to welcome Hannah Thompson to the show. Thank you for so much for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Laura. I, you know, I've been doing deep dive as I do when I'm preparing for my shows. You didn't have a book for me to read cover to cover or books for me to read cover to cover. Not but yet. Not yet. And you, you <laughs> not yet. have one because this is pretty exceptional stuff you're doing. But I went through and I actually printed. This is just an example of what's on your website for prospective members. Your program list for October. And this is double-sided. And I was going through it and I'm like... I need adventure in my life. I've realized over the last few months that I don't have as much joy as I'd like to have in my life. I'm not, I've lost that adventuresome spirit. I often fear stops me from doing things because of my health stuff with my ear, not knowing what's going to happen. If there's loud noise, you know, I haven't been in a restaurant in three years and forget COVID pre COVID. I couldn't even go. And I look at what you're doing and I say, wow, this is so important for the world. And I know your, your granny Jean was your inspiration, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, what made you somebody nowhere near close to retiring, a woman in tech, 
um, somebody with your background say, this is what I want to do with my life right now? Yeah, good question. Um, so I'm one of those people who just loves being part of an early stage high growth tech venture. So I spent my 20s working in other people's startups with different customer groups in different roles at different sizes of startup. You know, I've created an app for junior doctors in the NHS. I've also done a lot of work um, around tech for new mums. And during that time was really sort of grappling with and understanding the common opportunities and challenges in startup life and waiting for that light bulb moment when I found something that was sufficiently big and interesting and impactful to take the leap and build a business around it myself and build a product around it. And like you say, that inspiration really came from my granny Jean. And she was one of those people who, during her working life, very much put everybody else first. You know, she was a dutiful wife and mother and teacher. And it wasn't really until her retirement that she discovered who she was and what she wanted to do. Uh, so she ended up leaving my grandfather, who was lovely, but he was very much a pipe and slippers, pot around the garden kind of retirement okay. garden. That was not her scene anymore. So she decided to, to lovingly leave him to the pipe and slippers. Uh, and instead she went backpacking around New Zealand by herself. She got into painting and started to exhibit. Uh, she went volunteering in Bulgaria. She just had the most <laughs> adventurous and connected time of her life. And then I lost her to dementia and it made me really attuned to the challenges that people in later life face. It made me want to pay tribute to her. And so I started volunteering with AGK and spending a lot of time with people in later life. And that's when I discovered that actually Granny Jean's retirement was not the usual pattern. No. And you don't really realise that. Because it's just your granny. You don't think it's anything special or the experience is like you, you're just within that sort of microcosm. So on realising that Granny Jean had kind of cracked an adventurous retirement in a way that's not common in society, and on realising that instead people in later life are, are facing this epidemic of social isolation and loneliness, you know, particularly pandemic, um, I decided that was it. So I'm going to use my tech experience. I'm going to use Granny Jean's blueprint for a joyful retirement. And I'm going to bring that to as many people as possible. And in so doing, solve the epidemic of loneliness amongst people in later life. So that's how I ended up doing it. You know, I live here in Florida now, having come from New York. But I live here in Florida where one of the largest retirement communities in the world was built that is almost notorious for, let's just say, the craziness and insanity that these people do. I mean, they were on, um, they were on 60 Minutes, which is a massive news show here. Multiple times, this community called The Villages has been profiled. And one, one not so good one was because of the number of, um, STDs, sexually transmitted diseases that were passed around from inside these communities, they obviously have gotten a handle on these are people, 55 plus retirees or whatever, they have little centers, but it's a physical kind of community. People move into that. They've got multiple golf courses, theater groups, dance troops, you know, uh, parties like crazy, lots of restaurants, but that's a physical kind of community. Your granny Jean didn't have that 
as uh, Susan Atherton, who's watching on LinkedIn, said, your Granny Jean was a Renaissance woman. And and hey, Susan, nice to nice to chat with you. Um, that's harder for most people, you know, and she didn't do it with your grandpa either. She went off on her own doing these things. Do you see that a lot with the people that have joined your joy club? It's, it's so much harder to go off on your own, especially as a woman to start exploring adventures. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. And interestingly, the vast majority of our membership base, which is now thousands and thousands of members strong, the vast majority are single women um, on this voyage of self-discovery, very much like Granny Jean was, but this time with a, a digital medium. And I think that's interesting. And when we I'm trying to understand where our members have come from, what have been some of those trigger points to lead them to, to seek out something like the Join Club and, and join us, very often we find that there are stories of loss. You know, one in five of our members are widows or widowers. They they lose their loved one. Um, and then six to 12 months later, when they wake up one day and they're ready actually to look after themselves again and rebuild and find joy again, they come to us. Or perhaps somebody's had a changing health condition um, and they can't get out and about as much as they did previously. So quite often people come to us because they've experienced some kind of loss or change in their lives. And they're wanting to meet new people and try new things. And they come to us for that. And then I think what we've also found with the online medium when it comes to self-discovery and exploration is that people are willing to try things that they would never, ever try in real life because they can do it in the privacy of their living room with their peers online. So we've done things like... Um, belly dancing that was one of our most popular classes we've done burlesque as well and our members tell us that they would never have gone down to the local town hall to do that but because <laughs> online and because they know they're going to be amongst like-minded people um they just go for it and it's it's really brilliant to see that I, when i was looking through what you had in your october list right there was solo dancing um which I thought was so wonderful because some, you know, so many of these things require partners to do, but you, you really did get the fact that sometimes people are single, not necessarily alone, but single. I mean, I know me, I'm 58 and I'm single and I really don't see myself necessarily in the next, however many years of my life partnering up again. I have a bunch of girlfriends that we hang out. Well, pre-COVID, we kind of did things, but they could go and I couldn't because of my ear. So the idea of creating this platform, actually, you launched in the middle of COVID. You launched December 2020, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that to me is amazing that you've been so successful, raised the funding that you did, and have recognized... Well, let me shift that. Did you think that the majority of your members of the Joy Club were going to be single? Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. I think, you know, Granny Jean's experience was unusual in the kind of extent of how adventurous it was. But uh, through my volunteering and spending time with people in later life, I did find that there was this trend of women having this, like period of self-discovery in, in later life and, and really kind of blossoming and wanting to understand themselves more 
And so we did think that would be our, our kind of minimum viable segment. So women in the first 10 years of retirement, already fairly tech savvy uh, and single, we thought they would be they would be our early adopters. And that has proven out. I mean, the world has changed so much in terms of women stepping out on their own, not feeling that they need to be paired. I mean, I remember growing up, my mom and I were in Gimbel's, which was a big department store in the U.S. If anybody's watched the original Miracle on 34th Street, it was Macy's versus Gimbel's in that wonderful movie. And I remember my mom wanted to get a credit card in her own name. And they wouldn't let her. It had to be Mrs. Edward J. Stewart. And she was just so angry that we left the store. To today where, you know, it's not an issue for most women to get it. But yet there's parts of the world where women are still not safe to express themselves. The Afghanistans, the Saudi Arabias where it's beginning to, but even some countries where we wouldn't expect women to not have the freedoms that they do. I wonder if, because you said you have some men as well, how does that factor in when you're planning these different things? Do you focus mostly on the women element or not really? Yeah, it's a really interesting, really interesting question. So we, I mean, to begin with, we assembled a very kind of diverse group of people in later life. I, I, I imagined that the minimum viable segment, our early adopters would be single women, but I didn't want to build something that was just for single women. Um, so I got a group of over a hundred retirees together and started to understand and learn from them. And we built the brand together. We've built the product together and we've scheduled the activities together. And we also have a member steering group, which has men and women in, um, and they meet with us every month and we run all of our business decisions and product decisions and marketing decisions past them. And then we're also constantly looking at the quantitative data in terms of event attendance, uh, reviews, and then we survey our members as well. So we check in with the whole membership base uh, to understand what they would like and and sometimes there are events that are appealing to both men and women um but yeah certainly we we are thinking now about how to create more events that will appeal to men specifically and i think that's an interesting thing as well is because we have been a predominantly female team um so right. there's been a sort of female slant uh, from the beginning but we would love to have more men in the membership base and i know the women in our membership base would welcome that as well uh, you you broke up there for a second. So you started to say you wanted to have more men, and then you broke up. Ah, sorry, yes. Um, so we would welcome more men in our membership base, and I know our female members would like that as well. Okay, yeah, and and that's interesting, right? Because I don't think you want to become, or maybe you do, a or sort of matchmaking site at events or things where people get to meet people. So there's a fine line of walking there because you don't necessarily want to go down the, at least I don't think you do from what I know about you from when we spoke and all the research I've done. You don't seem like you want to walk the typical road. No, I think that's right. And I, and I think as well, you said something really interesting earlier about ultimately how romantic relationships are put on a pedestal. 
um, that you can be single and have lots of very meaningful relationships in your life. You know, your friendships can be the greatest love stories of, of your whole life experience, really. And I think, you know, it's a question I get a lot. So like, are you going to do dating with the Joy Club? Um, and we survey our members, of course, to check in with how they feel about that. And at the moment, only 6% of them would like us to add that functionality. So there are a few there, but but not loads. And we do have people that join the Joy Club and they ring us up and they say, hi, I've joined to find myself a new wife. Like, how, how should I set about doing that? So there are a few people who would like that, but it's, it's not the majority. And actually what we understand from our members is they are majoritively single people who are not looking for romantic relationships. They are looking for meaningful connections with people who share their interests. Uh, and so we'd like to explore that. That to me is exceptional because, I mean, I I regularly have friends go, married friends typically, well, are you going to, are you interested in meeting somebody else? You know, you're not putting yourself out there. Like it's understood that you have to be paired off. And then you have, I have friends who are couples who I never get invited to anything even before the whole ear thing, because I'm not paired off. It's like, I can't hang out with her because she's single. And I know that it's, you don't have the same conversational ability because you're not in a relationship. It's like most parents tend to hang out with other parents because they have shared experience. So how do you, relate to that or work through that when you're thinking about different events, different conversations, where people are at different stages in their conversation? Sorry, Laura, I think we're having a couple of connection issues. Do you think that's on, is that your side or my side seems to be? I don't know. You froze. I saw you froze. It's showing that my stream is uh, full, full. So um, I don't know how much you heard, but Basically, um, what I what did you hear? I said before yeah, you first. Yeah, just heard that um, you know sometimes as a single person, not invited to you know dinners or events by couples because you're considered a, a different kind of unit. And I think that's that is such a shame. And I think we see that you know we see particularly for the demographic of our customers, retirees are being advertised. You know, cruises and holidays for couples. Sometimes there's not even an option to attend one of these as a, as a singleton. Uh, so that is a feeling that is, is shared across our membership base. But yeah, it's, it's a strange thing societally that we do put romantic relationships on such a pedestal uh, when friendships and connections and family relationships and even acquaintances uh, can fulfill such an important role, I think, in our lives. Yeah, I mean, consistently over the course of my life, friendships, even some of them that have been virtual friendships, because you you know them through social or through email streams or whatever, but you've actually never met them in person, have become such key pieces to my development as a human being on the planet. And um, and I just want to, I just got a text and a message in there from my dear friend, Dr. Alexi Pertero, uh Weeks, and he's put doctor in front of his name. So I'm thinking that means he 
his PhD came through. So I just want to give a shout out to him on that. And he's saying good morning to both of us. So I'm just so excited for him to see the name doctor in front of his name. Um, cybersecurity PhD, by the way. And it looks like Hannah has frozen again. So I'm not sure what she can hear. But we were talking about, you know, these friendships that make this difference in, in your life. And Hannah, you're back. Except now she's completely gone, but that's okay. So uh, for those of you just joining us right now, I am here with Hannah Thompson, the founder and CEO of the Joy Club. It is a community it is a community that she created in December of 2020 and gotten uh, lots of funding to create. And Hannah, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure what happened there. It said that the uh, the restream link was invalid and it kicked me out, but I'm back. I'm back. Yes. Yes. I can see you are back and I'm excited. And I just brought everybody up to date on where we're at for those that have just joined us because I see more people joining inside the live chat. So um, Hannah, I want to talk about one of the things that is is interesting, well, there's so much interesting about the model you're doing, and I'm not sure if she's back again. She is frozen again. Um, but I love this idea of what we're talking about, which is creating a community of shared experience. And not only shared experience, but one of the things that my guest Hannah Thompson is doing with the Joy Club is creating opportunities for people to fully explore who they are. And that is such a beautiful thing because I know for myself, uh, even more so during COVID, but since my, my ear issues started where I can't really get out there, it's nice to have somebody present opportunities for things that you can do. And, and Hannah, uh, you know, I was talking about this idea of having opportunities presented to you when you don't even know how to explore fully who you are. Your, your granny Jean seemed to have ideas of things she wanted to try and she sought it out. But for some people, like including myself, and I had this conversation with some friends the other day, I don't even know how to have fun anymore. I don't know what that looks like. So how do you come up with these ideas that you have on the Joy Club that you present to people? Yeah. And it, it's been such an interesting journey of learning what our members want from us and also how they want to participate in community. Uh, when we first launched the Joy Club, we had our live online events. I think we we're putting on about 20 each week. And if people weren't joining the events and fully participating, you know, camera on, mic on, um, you know, the, the sort of extrovert version of joining an event, we thought, oh, we must be doing something wrong. And All right, we may have to end up rescheduling this interview since Hannah seems to be having continuing uh, internet issues. She is based in the UK, so don't know what's going on there, but she's having some tech issues, which is really funny because both of us are geeks, but you can't help your internet at times. If those of you who are watching, please put something in the chat. What are you doing to bring yourself joy? What are some of the activities that you've been finding have helped you really understand who you are and expand who you are as a person? I The other day I ordered some colored sand to do some sand art 
work for myself, just trying to do something different. And, and Hannah, I was suggesting, I don't know if you can close down everything that you have open except for the restream window so that maybe it's a resource issue. I don't know if it's your internet, but I'm only showing you of what you're red. You have one red blip showing for your connection issue. So close everything else down except for that. And so please folks uh, comment up in the chat what you might be doing to bring yourself joy and to find who you are. I know one of my dear friends right on here who I uh, mentioned, he's, he's a study nut. I mean, this man loves, loves, loves education and he, he inspires me in all that he does. My friend, Susan Atherton, who's on here as well. I've seen her do things and I'm like, how are you so fearless to do the things that you do? As I said, I just ordered a sand art kit to go back to my childhood roots where I loved doing that. I love ideas on things that we can do for more joy in our lives, like the Joy Club founder, um, Hannah Thompson is doing with her community. What are you doing to build joy? If nothing else that you get from this live today, and we will have Hannah back on when her, her tech comes back. I'd love you to think of this question. What does joy mean to you? So if you're saying it to yourself, you're going to say to yourself, what does joy mean to me? What does fun mean to me? And, and also another question of, is fear my lead? And the reason I ask it that way is a friend several months ago asked me that question. And I realized that since my ear injury, I'm almost afraid to do stuff. I'm afraid to go places because I can easily get triggered into this sound-induced uh, disequilibrium where I almost black out from certain sound levels. And it's, it's a horrible feeling. But if you have that happening, it's something that you involuntarily have as your lead. And you're taught, you're watching somebody right now and listening to somebody right now who used to go on trips by herself all the time, never thought twice about going on a trip by myself. Uh, I remember I went to Aruba once and I went to one of those all-inclusive places. It was not a sandals or a club made club med. It was just a hotel that had an all-inclusive program. I think it was the Americana or something like that. And, you know, I met some different people, including some other women that were there by themselves, had the best time, hung out in the restaurant by myself and at the hotel bar. And I got to know some people, including the hotel manager, the head of customs there. And I hadn't done a lot of traveling around the island. And one day they all were like, Laura, you have to see our island. And they're like, please let us take you on a tour of our island. Now, today I may question me going off with two men who, one's the hotel manager, granted, and one was the head of customs for the island. I went in their car and they took me on this amazing tour of the island that tourists never get to see. I don't know where that Laura went over the years. And I'm looking to find that Laura again. So 
I'm now asking my, the, myself the, those questions, including the, am I leading with fear when an opportunity presents itself? So those are just a few things that you can begin thinking about for yourself to begin finding your own joy club and your own joy activities. And Hannah is back. So let's just dive in. And Hannah, we can, you know, re-engage in a conversation. Um, we can do another live so that we can continue. But for now, let's let's just peck back up if you're willing to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it'd be great to pick up on one of the threads of what you were talking about earlier around friendships offline and online. Okay, great. Go for it. Really, really interesting at the Joy Club is the ability to form really, really meaningful connections online. And because of the pandemic, we've had to do that as a team as well as across the membership base. So I hired, must be 12 or 13 people without having met them, you know, all all in lockdown, all on Zoom. And if you'd have told me two years or, you know, a year previous that I'd be building a business and hiring people that I've never met before, building something amazing with them and caring so deeply about them and having such amazing collaboration with them and then building a, a membership base of thousands of people that also I'd never met and who'd never met each other. But to see the, the connections that are forming and the friendships that are blossoming, just amazing. And then I think the really unexpected joy from the Joy Club has been the relationships that have been formed between the members and the team. Now our community team, average age is 21, and they answer all of our emails and phone calls from members and they, they turn up at those events and facilitate chat. And the friendships that they have with our members are just so touching and interesting that it has been, I think for me, the greatest unexpected joy of the, of the whole thing. That, that's really great. And it's interesting because you said the age of the people in on your team versus your audience that you're appealing to, your membership. I'm curious, how has or has it shifted your own team based on the work you're doing to have them thinking differently about their lives? Yeah, it definitely has. It definitely has. And I think that, you know, everybody has joined the Joy Club because they want to make a positive social change in the world. And I think sometimes wanting to make a positive change can be filtered through, I guess, almost a lens of charity where you're like, I will help this other group or I will help this person. But I think what everybody in the team has learned is that there's no, there's no dimension of that. It's a very equal relationship between our members and ourselves if anything you know they are the ones with the power and we're just facilitators so they set the direction they tell us what they need and want they teach us you know with their with their wisdom and their humor and we're there to to learn and facilitate and I think that's been a really interesting dynamic that has emerged and I know as well for the community team they they have changed their view of what it is to age and their feelings about aging. And so there has been so many interesting intergenerational links and learnings that it's, uh, yeah, it's been a, a learning experience for everybody involved, I think, on on the member side and the, and the team side as well. Yeah, I, I was curious about that because I know when my mom was still alive and we lived together and we took care of each other before she passed away, 
my mom was so much more adventurous than I was. It's almost like she said, the heck with it. All of those other responsibilities I've had are done. I can just enjoy my life again. And then, you know, my uh, Susan, who's watching on chat, she responded to a question I posed while you were offline for a moment. And, you know, I asked, what are some things that bring you joy? And do you live, do you lead with fear and stuff? And she has an incredible daughter and recently remarried. And she talked about, you know, well, raising her daughter, watching her daughter go out and ride bicycles and stuff, but she's not necessarily doing that, but learning to look at those things that her daughter is doing and saying yes to expressing and allowing almost. I feel like it's a, we have to allow ourselves permission to perhaps be embarrassed because we don't belly dance well, like you said, that was one of your most popular classes. I would love to try belly dancing. I, I think it would be a lot of fun, but I feel like I would be so uncoordinated, <laughs> whether I was 20 or my current 58. I mean, that's the joy of it, though. It really, really doesn't matter. And, and I think that's something that we have learned from our members is that when you're younger, you're so wrapped up in what other people might think of you and if you're going to be good at something or not. Right. And members just don't care, you know. They've they've been around the block a few times. Uh, if they want to try belly dancing, they're going to try it. Um, you know, not necessarily like out and about in the world, but in this online environment, because it's so supportive, because our members are all at a similar life stage and they have come to us for joy, there is nothing critical uh, or, you know, any of those kind of negative feelings that might sometimes hold you back from trying something new. There's, there's none of that at the Joy Club. It's just positive and supportive and adventurous. And so people jump in, which is great. Is there something that you would like to try that you're not trying? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm fairly adventurous myself. So things that I've done include like running ultra marathons. I've also sailed across the Atlantic. Uh, I have never let any kind of fear um, or nervousness stop me. I, I just jump in. So I think I'm happy to say that I've, I'm trying everything that I want to try um, and just not letting anything hold me back from that. Even with having started this company now, because I know that for myself, before I started my first company, which I sold, which was a tech, uh, multi-state tech services company, I was so much more adventurous. When I, when I worked for corporations, I took my vacations, I did all sorts of different things. And once I became a founder, CEO, entrepreneur, my, my focus narrowed. And it was all about building the business knowing I had staff that I was responsible for and clients I was responsible for, I became more narrow in what I was willing to allow myself to do because of the repercussions of, of different things. Not only that, but if I were to, and I've never done this, but it sounds really fascinating, sailed across the Atlantic on the boats that you sailed on, you know, um, disconnecting, from your business for a week or two weeks to do something like that. So what has that factored in at all since you became the entrepreneur, founder, CEO? 
Yeah, hugely. Yeah, the days of locking my laptop in a drawer for two months and going sailing are on pause, let's say. But I think this is the, one of the biggest adventures of my life. You know, creating something from nothing, building a team, changing people's lives. So my kind of adventure urge is being satisfied by building the Joy Club. Um, whereas I think maybe before I would have seen adventure as something I have to do outside of work. But actually going on this adventure and, and building the Joy Club is, is the adventure for me at the moment. I know many of my listeners have become soul focused in growing their businesses. And, you know, I worry about that, having done it myself. And you're, this is your adventure now. And I mean, one of the things you do is create adventures for other people. So I'm very curious, have you done anything vacation-wise or any of the other things that you liked or tried any of the things that you've created for your Joy Club members? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. And I sometimes attend those events myself. Like sometimes I'll do the interviews and share them. And sometimes I'll just sneak in incognito to watch uh, because it's just great. And I like to learn as well. I like to understand what our members are enjoying. But yeah, dance, expert talks, creative writing, painting, um, all things that I love. Are those things that you would have done before? Because, you know, when I read your bio, right, you, you hiked the Tour de Mont Blanc, you've sailed across the Antarctic, said you've run the ultra marathon. I don't know what from lizard to land's end means, but I'm guessing that's really a long distance over rough roads. You did, you've done the uh, London Marathon virtually. You're going to do it in real. Um, you know, you've done so many different things. And all of those were very much in-person kind of events. So has UK has had massive lockdowns. What have you found for yourself besides growing your business? Because everybody needs something a little besides that, right? Because otherwise, how can you create such amazing adventures for other people if it's not something that stimulates you as well? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I do. I do make time for myself outside of the Joy Club, although, of course, inevitably end up finding myself thinking about it. Um, but yeah, running the marathon virtually during lockdown, uh, then ran the London Marathon again. Um, I have kayaked the entire distance of the Brecon Monmouthshire Canal in Wales also over the last oh, year. Wow. Um, and I have also set myself up an Etsy shop where I sell my paintings. Uh, inspired by sailing adventures so I, I do find things outside of the joy club that make my soul sing uh, even in even in lockdown I, I love that I'm gonna have to find your Etsy shop somewhere I'd love to see what some of those paintings look like it sounds very granny Jean you said she's exhibited she had exhibited her paintings as well so I, I see a lot of things that you seem to have inherited from mm, your yeah. granny Jean Perhaps nature, perhaps nurture. We we did paint a lot together, um, really throughout my life. She used to look after me after school when I was little, and then I continued to go to her house after school, even when I didn't need to, you know, when I was a teenager. And then when I came back from university, I'd very often stay with Granny um, instead of Mum, which she didn't like. <laughs> but Granny always had more paints 
and uh, lots of home brew. So that <laughs> brought me, threw me in. Yeah, we did. We painted together. We did a lot of learning and um, exploration together. I love that. And for those of you who are watching live and seeing me lean down, um, I am doggy sitting for my favorite, one of my favorite little pups, Max. Um, his nickname, my mom and I nicknamed him Joy Dog. So how appropriate that he's here. And um, his parents are moving. So I'm not going to have this guy around much longer. So I'm bringing him back on camera just so he can see. But he was nudging at me because he really um, not being like on top of me. <laughs> so um, a little bit of a side there with just this cute little guy right here. This is one of my joys, by the way, Hannah, is um, after my pup died, um, my house became, I became known as the, the dog house because neighbor dogs just didn't want to walk past. They basically planted themselves in the driveway, even dogs I didn't know. It's almost like my dog in heaven sent them. And I've been, you know, I dog sit a lot for neighbor's dogs. So I'm the, I get to be the best Auntie Laura and spoil them rotten. <laughs> I, I want to shift the conversation a little bit because I feel I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this conversation because you are a founder of a basically a tech-based adventure company in terms of the platform that you use. At some point you may have meetups for people once COVID changes where people can meet in person and do some live events, but getting funding for any kind of startup is not easy. And as a woman doing it, it the, the talk is it's, it's exceptionally difficult. I'd love to hear what that was like for you and what advice you might give to some of my other listeners as entrepreneurs when they're thinking about starting it. And I know you probably have some of your own listeners, your own members listening into this. Some of them may be wanting to start some new business. So can share some of your experiences with that and some advice you'd have. Yeah, absolutely. So in the US, I think you guys are now at 3% of venture capital funding going to sell female founders, which is terrible. But it's not quite as bad as it is in the UK. So in the UK, only 1% of venture capital funding goes to sell female founders like myself. Um, so there is a bit of a glass ceiling still, I suppose. And it's really hard to know individually whether you've encountered any of that bias. I'm very, very lucky to have raised several rounds. Um, I'm, I've certainly never felt that I was being discriminated against as a as a woman. But, you know, I don't know. I've never been a sole male founder, so I don't know how that would have felt different as an experience. And I think one of the really interesting things about this space is that we're now starting to understand why it is that sole female founders get less funding. And there's some particularly interesting research from Dana Cannes, who analysed the transcripts of a tech pitch competition. Because that's another reason why this is so difficult to understand because pitches happen one-to-one -one generally or one-to-two. It's not in the public domain, so it's hard to know the different experiences between men and women um, or you know other, other characteristics. But she analyzed the transcripts of this pitch event. And what she found is that if you're a male founder, about two thirds of the questions that you get from investors are upside questions. So, you know, that sounds interesting. Just how much money could you make if this went well? Whereas for female founders, 
two thirds of the questions that they get are downside questions. So, you know, that sounds like an interesting idea, but what are some of the risks that might trip you up in the first couple of years? And so in Dana's work, she identified this. She also identified that it didn't matter if the investor was male or female, because it's the same pattern, two thirds upside to men, two thirds downside to women questions. So as a female founder, if you find that you're getting what feels like a, a lot of downside questions, it's very important to acknowledge those questions, but then you need to flip it to an upside. So you can acknowledge the risk, but then you need to make sure you also give yourself the space to excite them with the massive opportunity and the massive you know, commercial gain and impact that your venture could have. It appalls me and fascinates me with the research that she's done and, and your own experiences and several of my friends' experiences. I, I bootstrapped my company, but I didn't need, I wasn't developing something like this, right? I was a services company, which, and it was an in-person services company. So it was a radically different kind of business, but it just appalls me that in this day and age, especially in America and the UK, especially in the UK where Queen Elizabeth has been around for so long and, and several other leaders, right? Jacinda Arden and, and other people, who, uh, Germany, all these other countries, that women are still treated so differently as if almost we can't be seen to grow successfully a company or to know what the risks are that we're getting into. I mean, asking those questions more two-thirds about the risks and men two-thirds about the rewards, I mean, come on. It just seems crazy. If you look at some of the top companies that have started in the last 10 years, the most successful ones were founded by women in spite of lack of funding. Look at uh, Blakely from uh, Spanx and a number of other corporations. How did you sort of let that go and find your own way to get the funding that you needed? Is it another Granny Jean kind of, I'm just going out there and screw them? <laughs> Yeah, a, a bit of that. And also, I very deliberately built my network. Uh, so I didn't have the kind of old boys network to tap into. So during my 20s, I worked for other people's startups, you know, tried very, very hard to impress people, tried very, very hard to impress the investors of those people. Um, and so about, I guess, two jobs ago, um, I was working for a women's health company. And the founder CEO there is a female entrepreneur and she had said very early on in my time at that company that you know she saw in me somebody who would one day go and and found my own venture and she said you know when that time comes I'm not going to begrudge it I'll support you I'll be your first investor and then fast forward a few years and and she did just that so she covered the first angel round um, in its entirety and she also then came on as chair of the board of the joy club and I think that is such an important story and lesson in in why women should be backed 
by Invested because then they can help other women up behind them. So she has been fundamental really in my journey in supporting me. And then, you know, the network that she's got and the investors that have backed her and who knew me as well from my time at that company and the work that we did together. So, I mean, I think that that's something you can't necessarily rely on an old boys network, but you can build your own network. And there are not enough, but an increasing amount of successful female entrepreneurs. And I think helping each other up that ladder uh, and smashing that ceiling together is really important. I love that because it's really about who you know, get your foot in the door and building those relationships is so critical. I know we're running close on time. I have another question that I really want to ask because the Joy Club has been a very UK focused group. Are there plans to expand it, franchise it, license it, grow it to other countries? I would love to see a Joy Club. I don't know if there's one like it here in the U.S. I've never heard of it or seen it. But what's the plans for the next steps of the growth? And can I join? I mean, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not retired. I'm not semi-retired, but I need it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So plan is to go global with it. Absolutely. You know, the the trends in the UK market that have made it exactly the right time for the Joy Club here um, pertain globally. You know, we we know that there's a an aging population. So in the UK, by 2040, a quarter of the population are going to be retired. So huge and growing aging population, also increasingly digitally literate. You know, if we look at the stats around social media participation and online shopping and smartphone ownership, all of those stats trebled in the 10 years before the pandemic, and then the pandemic has accelerated that further. So there's a massive opportunity in the UK, and we really want to make an impact here in our in our launch country. Um, but those trends are also true in the US and elsewhere. So yeah, absolutely, the plan is to nail it in the launch country and then go, go, go global with it. I, I love that. If there's any way I can support you and help you beyond having you on the show, please let me know. I love the work you're doing and the people you're impacting because we all need more joy in our lives and we need to find what that joy is for ourselves. But if you don't explore new things, how do you know if it'll bring you joy or not. And I love that you are, are doing that. So last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with and also how they can find out about the Joy Club, reach out to you if they have any questions. Absolutely. I and mean, I think probably last thought from me is that what we've heard from our members is that they really, really look forward to retirement and they have this somewhat rose-tinted view of what it will be like. And then they get to retirement and it feels like a cliff edge because suddenly you lose the structure and the connections and the purpose and and in some cases the identity that you've had during your working life. And then you can feel this profound sense of loss and emptiness. And then everybody we've spoken to assumes that that's unusual. So I suppose final thought from me is that if you have retired recently and you are feeling at a bit of a loss, that isn't unusual. Um, but, you know, we now spend tw- over 20% of our lives in retirement. So don't sit with that feeling too long. Instead, you know, try new people, try new things, meet new people. Uh, if you're in the UK, come to the Joy Club. Uh, we're at www.thejoyclub.com. Um, and if you're elsewhere, sit tight. We are coming to, to your country soon. 
I love that. So if they want to find, if they want to reach out to you, they can do that via thejoyclub.com. And I just put that link there. And I, I love what you're doing, Hannah. And I'm so glad that Teresa introduced us. It's, it's really got me personally thinking about not only business from the model that you're doing, but also what does life mean, right? Because it's not just about joy, it's about shared experience. And I feel that one of the big things about the Joy Club from my perspective is this idea of shared experience, but allowing individuality in it at the same time. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're perfect at it, it's trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just trying new things and being amongst people who also want to try new things yeah. and are coming to that with an openness and a positivity and support. And I think to create a community that's like that, when when so many other online communities aren't really communities at all because you know, you're not the customer, you're the commodity, you're being advertised to, you're looking at unrealistic images of beauty and feeling like you're missing out. You know, I, I don't think a lot of online communities are communities at all. And, and we are trying to build something and we are building something that truly is a, it is an online community. It's a, it's a place where people can come together and look out for each other and share and joy. I love it. And I hope one day soon, so many members of the Joy Club in the UK and globally around the world will find Joy Club meetups where they can actually safely meet in person and go on one of these. I know you have partners that do different things with you, can go to some spa or golf retreat or go on a sailing cruise somewhere across the Atlantic, an adventure thing that you're doing. So thank you so much for what you're putting out into the world. Thank you, Laura, and thanks for having me on the show. It was a total joy. <laughs> I, I hope today made you begin to think, everybody, about how you're living your life, how you're building your business, and the people that you're impacting as your clients. What is the best use of what you're doing to help other people and help yourself? I loved when Hannah talked about that, Building this business and this community is her latest adventure, but she's still doing some other things on the side. You need to find what that is for yourself. Share with me and with Hannah what you're doing for joy. And if you want to check out thejoyclub.com, they have a free 30-day trial. Plus, they also have a free platform as well that you can do, sort of the freemium model. I love what they're doing. I know it's in the UK right now. I'm looking forward to it perhaps being other places, or maybe since I'm not in the UK, I may join anyway and uh, just experience some of the things that they're doing. Maybe they'll allow me to uh, be a part of it. At the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone.